yeah, so my daughter um, is very excited about Halloween. Sure. Is it? That's and great. She, yeah, she's going to go to a trick-or-treat thing at the Museum of Natural History in Houston. It's very cool. Um, and she wants to be a Luna Moth. So she has a Luna Moth okay. costume, okay. except one caveat here, because she can't just do it straightforward. No. Is she uh, wants her dad to like wrap her up in a blanket like she's in a chrysalis. I love it. And carry her in uh-huh. her chrysalis inside the museum. And then in front of a live audience, <laughs> she's going to hatch and emerge as a Luna Moth from her chrysalis. We got a what, what do you mean the like, like, Is there a stage? Is she like no! covered? Well, that sounds exciting. Yeah. Performance art, man. I don't get it. <laughs> sure. Gray gets it. Good for Gray. Yeah. yeah. Street theater. It's the only pure theater left in America, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yes. Amateur street theater. Yes. <laughs> All right. Welcome back to Beyond Sunday. We're exploring how to take our faith beyond Sunday morning. This is Patrick Nazaroff with me as always. Pastor Dave Bowser. How are we doing, Patrick? And Elise Carter. Still here. Still pretty successful. All right. Uh, we have got a, a big show today because we got a lot of things to go over. Okay. The first is a science experiment. <laughs> I like science. Science. Uh, you were listening to last week. We talked about uh, MIT testing Oreos. We did. Mm-hmm. We oh did. Bubkiss. It's bubkiss. It's been bothering me all week long that well, MIT spent time and resources on this. We're going to spend yeah. just. We're going to come to the exact same conclusion with much less time yeah. and resources. Excellent. However, right. no longer bothered because now I get to eat Oreos. We have. We've been given by one of our listeners. Ooh. Uh, Pastor Cassandra's mom. Thank you, Mama Nagel. Woo! Uh, Thank you. Three different kinds of Oreos here. We have three different packages of Oreos. Regular Oreos, which, uh, according to the package, are milk's favorite cookie. Mm-hmm. Double stuffed Oreos, which does not have that label attached to it. I guess milk. No, is, milk, milk prefers is the out. single. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then mega stuff Oreos. Double okay. and mega. Okay. Yeah, they all have the milk splash on the packaging, but two different degrees. Double and mega, not milk's favorite cookie. The the splash size does increase with the ratio of cream, though. Yes. If you I assume if you're dropping it into the cookie, you know, like it's it, bigger. So, you yeah, know, it's that's gonna, fair. Yep. Yeah. All right. So we're going to test these out and we're going to see how do they do. All right, OK, so we're going to start with the single. We're going to start with the single. Yeah. Traditional Oreo. Traditional Oreo. Now, the test that we're doing here is the twist test. Yeah, correct? twist test. Yeah, twist okay. test. All right, so here yeah. we go. Are we allowed to eat? The, are we allowed to eat after the twist test? All right. uh, we're gonna we're gonna now, do, we're gonna do all the testing, and then at the end we'll pause. So you last can eat week them. we learned because this needed to be told that we needed an open package and a gentle twist. Yeah, so just, this, okay. we've Random got both opening. of these things. Here we go. Here we I'm not twist. a fool, so I've never done this before. Okay. okay. Oh, I have these. Mine is the best. I don't. I, I'm solid on Elisa. So no, Elisa I mean, had, when, it, when it comes to like even on both cookies, mine is by far the best. Oh, I see what you're saying. Like Elisa's is the worst. It's all on one. Yours came closest to what they were trying to do yes. at MIT. Okay, yes, yours did do that. Elise yes. came closest to doing what I like to do, which is half get all the half, yeah, yeah, get all the uh, cream on one side. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so so yeah, mine you not not quite fifty fifty or not quite an even spread. It might yeah, yeah. be close to fifty fifty, but it's. You know, it's pretty heavily skewed on one side of each. Okay. Yeah, I've got more of a yin and yang pattern going on. Yes, there. okay. Sorry. All right, let's do our... Now we're going to do over to the double the stuff. The double. Okay. Double stufle. Here we go. All right. All right. Gentle twist. Gentle I've never twist. opened an Oreo... Have you really never with, done this? ...with a twist before, because why would you spend your time oh, doing this? I, to try I, get, I had such a good one on the first uh, one, and mine failed miserably. All oh, of us failed all miserably. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to say double stuff, not the Prime. one to do if you're looking for... All of us have... 90% of, of stuffing on one cookie. It's true, yeah. And just like cookie and stuffing residue on but the other. But again, I want to yeah. be clear. This is how I want to eat my Oreos. That's fine. Yeah. You do right whatever here. you want. I know. I'm just right. So finally, 
full of the mega stuff. Whoa! Now hold on. <laughs> I already ate some of these. <laughs> this is something that I've never actually witnessed a mega stuff, but I'm going to observe because this is part of the scientific process, right? Writing down our that there are there are two distinct layers of cream in this yeah. Oreo. It does look like like a double stuff. Like it did not matter protein. for Elise. Elise oh, went straight for it. All the way. That's Let's the twist. cleanest split I've got. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah you should not even attached basically. Me to too. Yeah. yeah. Well, this cookie looks like nothing was ever even. I know. There's no stuffing or no. This just keeps getting better for me. It's more and more icing on one side of the cookie. Yeah. All right, so there you go. I mean, I would say if you're looking to do a pure twist, the single is really the best option you have. Like, when it comes to the double or the mega, it's just not going to happen. Okay, guys, I just made ultra cookie. <laughs> Ultron. Are we gonna, Ult- ultra, ultra Oreo. I can't even say it. <laughs> we're going to pause and eat our Oreos. That seems like a good choice. And then we'll come back. All right, so we just got back from our cookie break. Yeah. Could go for a glass of milk. I don't know about y'all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, only with the first one. That's right. Yeah, milk's favorite cookie. Milk, yeah. milk the rejects one. the other two cookies. Yeah. Right. So yeah. They're, you know, they like to keep it friendly. You know, yeah. we're, we're stay friends. <laughs> you know? Jeez. All right. I'm not interested in you in that way. Right. Is what the yeah. milk says. Yeah. <laughs> but you got a great personality. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll say that uh, Mega Stuffed Oreo did have a great personality. It did, it was, yeah. yeah. In, in terms of like my favorite Mega Stuff. Sure. Yeah. Well, I ate the mega stuff and the double stuff kind of together, like yeah. a little club sandwich. So very nice. Yeah. <laughs> club Oreo. Club. Oh. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it had an olive too <laughs> attached to it. Right. <laughs> Dry. <laughs> I like my Oreo shaking, not stirring. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We're really going well off the rails. All right. Yeah. So, so we got something useful to talk about today. No, that we're well, uh, the uh, news. no. <laughs> We've got our news story here. Yeah. And uh, in interest of kind of, since I knew that would take some time, this is just really a headline. Okay. It's pretty oh, funny. All right. Funny headline. headline. What do we got? Uh, a student, uh, this is a student from Vietnam, okay. uh, was excited to move to Florida for college. Then she realized she applied to Miami University. In Ohio. In Ohio. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Why is there a Miami University in Ohio? That's an excellent question. It's unclear. <laughs> there, I mean, there is. So there's there was a Native American tribe in Ohio that were the Miami tribe. And so okay. th- there's a Miami River. Uh, there's a Miami County. Like, there, there are Miami things yeah. in Ohio. And so there yeah. is Miami University in Oxford, Ohio. That is a thing. Oh, that's really too bad. Yeah. yeah. They're the, the Red Hawks. Yeah. Yeah. Versus the University of Miami, I guess, is the one. Different thing. Yep. <laughs> that would be the Hurricanes. Yeah. Green and orange. And yeah. Uh, yeah different different mm, altogether. Yep. Tough. Yeah. What a, what a, you know. That is disappointing. Bait yeah. and switch here from yeah. Miami. So, I don't think that Miami bait and switched her. <laughs> I, she's had, it has the same name as Miami University. When you think Miami, you're not thinking Ohio. I don't disagree. But like, you know, if you're applying to a university, I think you can, you know. Google. Do a little like, bit of research. Is yeah. Come on. Now. If I'm go- if I'm going to a university in Vietnam, I'm going to make sure I'm going to the right university in Vietnam. That's all. Yeah, I will. I think it's probably tough when you know you don't speak the language natively. Yeah, sure. Probably... But there are probably people who can help her with that. She applied to the university it and is, got accepted. It's unfortunate. <laughs> it is very unfortunate. Yeah. So did that, you see the? That said, the... Miami University of Ohio is a great place. It's a good school. Okay, but it's okay. not in Florida. Doubt. Yeah. I, 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 I <laughs> did not say it was in Florida. Uh, <laughs> we never miss an opportunity to drag Ohio that's, a little that's, bit. That's part of the headline, right? right. Like To imagine things like, oh, I'm going to go to South Beach. Yeah. Oh, I'm in Ohio. Ohio, yeah. <laughs> it is not Florida. That is true. Yeah, there's yeah. the Ohio River, I guess, or, or Miami River. Yeah. There's a news article. It's been a couple years now about the <laughs> guy that was trying to fly. Uh, to Indiana to see his girlfriend uh-huh. and accidentally flew to India. And so she's like, why aren't you here yet? Like we're in like 
12 hours later he's like you're not gonna believe this and so it's like a selfie with these cows in like Mumbai what do you like leave the airport I mean once the plane lands you feel yeah. like you know like, uh, <laughs> I mean really once the plane is taking off I mean that's, that's how did you not know before the plane took? Uh, just not paying attention, I guess. Clearly, really, yeah. yeah. yeah so, so okay. <laughs> so I got this from the article. Miami is a native to Cuesta word meaning big water or sweet water. Is there a big amounts of water in Ohio? There are rivers. Lots of rivers. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> not thinking, big water. Those Ohio rivers. All right, man. I mean, the ocean seems yeah. like. Okay. You know. The people who lived in Ohio at that time maybe didn't see the ocean. I don't know what it's to tell you. Yeah. That's what they were e- called. Easily wild. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, the student says, I realize there are no beaches. It's just a cornfield in the middle of nowhere in the Midwest of America. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds about right. I don't, no. dis- I don't disagree with that. That's fine. <laughs> Maybe just go there for a year, get good grades. Yeah, she, she ended <laughs> up going for it's it. It's a really good yeah. school. It's not. They had a good business school, yeah. according to this. So she went, ended up going. So there you go. Okay. Well. It's not like a community. Co- not that there's anything wrong with community college. It's not like a podunk. You know, it's a yeah. solid educational institution. Okay. D1 yeah. school. I've learned something new today. There you yeah. go. They play uh, in the MAC conference. It's a thing. It's <laughs> 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 great. <laughs> yeah. Good, good for Ohio. With their, own, yeah. with their own fake Miami University. Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm actually curious now which Miami was first. I don't know. I'm uh, not, yeah. Um, Quick Google could probably. Uh, yeah. I don't, have, I don't us, have time for that. Impossible to say. Yeah. Yes. If only we had access to this knowledge. Yeah. Yep. But we don't. What are we talking about today? Um, well, we're going to talk about mega churches. Mega stuff Oreos? Mega. Inside the, of yes. <laughs> it's not Milk's favorite church. <laughs> True. <laughs> Um, but before that, you know, we just definitely wanted to touch down on, you know, in the news, we're seeing a lot of stuff on an Israeli-Palestine mm. conflict right yeah. now, uh, especially between Israel and Hamas. And, you know, we felt personally that we don't know enough information to really do a podcast about this. Sure. Like that. Yeah. Uh, there's an incredible amount of nuance and difficulty. And, and I'm sure... There are people out there who are incredibly pro-Palestine who don't think there's a lot of nuance. And there's people out there who are incredibly pro-Israel who don't think there's a lot of nuance. Yeah. But I do think in between there is. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. That depending on how you kind of see this conflict from one perspective or another, you know, is definitely going to shape how you kind of see this. Uh, but at the same time, you know, tales and stories of Hamas and terrorist groups attacking yep. a concert and, you know, potentially killing a bunch of innocent civilians um, through pretty horrible means mm-hmm. is clearly wrong. Regardless of how you feel about the conflict itself, that is a clearly wrong act of aggression. Mm-hmm. Um, and and Israel has probably been guilty of some clearly wrong acts of aggression mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, 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 you know. And um, and But at the end of the day, there's plenty of people on the ground on both sides who are yeah. mere civilians who have no control over what the Israeli government or Hamas and other kind of organizations, terrorists or otherwise, that yeah. Palestine is kind of like either they're utilized or turned a blind eye to to defend them from the Israeli kind mm-hmm. of, you know, military. Yeah. Uh, so it's complicated. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so ultimately nobody is coming to us for our thoughts on geopolitical issues, right? Like, nor should not, they. Yep. You should not. Um, but I do want to throw out that whenever something like this happens, there can be a lot of pressure to 
pay attention to all of it, you know, and hold all of it and have an emotional response to all of it. And I just want to throw out that it's okay if you need to put some emotional distance in between yourself and something that's going on on the other side of the world. Take care of yourself and your emotional state. Yeah. Yeah. But as a, you know, Christian podcast, you know, I definitely want to say that's us. That's mm-hmm. one way we, we, we do have some level of a level of uh, I wouldn't say expertise, but right, at yeah. least you know competence, competence, uh, a yeah. level, a know. level, a level of competence. Yeah. Does In what is this <laughs> a sign of the end times? No, no, no. it's not that. Not that you yeah. heard it here first. We, we are and just, hopefully we are confidently saying. Yeah. Now, does that mean Jesus comes back tomorrow? Maybe. Yeah. It's very. I don't know. Very possible. Even if Jesus comes back tomorrow. That does not make this. I don't believe that this is a sign of the end times. <laughs> yeah. Yes. These might be corollary, not uh, causal relationships. Yeah. Correct. If we want to get just a little bit scientific. Yes. I think it's also worth remembering, right, and we can say this as a Christian podcast too, right? The the nation of Israel that it exists and that is in this conflict today is not the same Israel that we're talking about in the Bible, right? Mm-hmm. They, That's correct. They are the descendants of the people of Israel that are in the Bible, but yeah. like wrestling with what it means for Israel as a nation to operate and function in the world today is not the same as wrestling with what it was like for Israel to exist in the Bible or for what it means for us to be a people that support God and Mm -hmm. God's plan through the people. Mm -hmm. These are, again, correlated, but not causal uh, issues that we should be thinking about. Agreed. Yeah. And give yourself some space. Yeah. But a lot of prayer for what's going on over there. Absolutely. A lot of people who are... Innocent are caught up in a lot of, yeah. you know, a lot of junk on both sides. Innocence on both sides, yeah. you know, regardless of who you blame for the conflict, Israel or Palestine or Patrick or Hamas or <laughs> whomever. Yeah. There's a lot of people on both sides that are just completely innocent Absolutely. that are caught up in this. Yep. yep. All right. Um, Mega Church. We're in the ChristianPost.com. This okay. Is our, our uh, news. Not to be confused with postchristian.com. That's probably a different right? thing. Right. Yeah, that's Europe. Yes. That's the EU's website. Postchristian. The mega church. Sorry to all of our European listeners. Yeah. Yeah. We love you. All of them. Yeah. <laughs> all <Sure>. the bots. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the mega church movement is fading. Ooh. What's next? Oh. Question mark. Kingdom of God. All right, so let's let's get into mega church here. So, okay. uh, so just to make sure we're on the same page, how many people need to come in weekly attendance to be considered a mega church? Ooh. I think it's over five thousand. It's two thousand. Two thousand. Oh, you're yes. really shooting high. Yeah. Two, I, mean, yeah. I knew I wasn't in it. So. Yeah. <laughs> two thousand is the weekly attendance average. You're a mega church. Interesting. Okay. Yes. All right. uh, have you ever been to a mega church for worship? Yes. Me too. Yeah. Okay. Are you familiar Not, with New Spring? Yes. Yeah, that is South Carolina. Not yeah, to be confused right. with Day Spring, which is a card company. <laughs> right. <laughs> or Irish Spring. Yeah. Which, which is, is a soap. soap. Yeah. <laughs> or just regular spring, which right. is, you know, a season. Which is a city in Texas, right. <laughs> just yeah, south of too. us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this is New Spring. What was your experience at New Spring like? Uh, brief. I just went one time. I visited yep. with somebody. Um, I think I have or had family members that attended for a while um, because it was based in Anderson, where a lot of my extended family yeah, is from. For sure. Yeah, uh, but it's I don't know how anybody meets anybody in a mega church. Yeah, like right. it's they have like actual like traffic control uh-huh. on Sunday mornings, and sure. it's like a stadium. Yep. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's a very different vibe, uh, for sure. I mm-hmm. uh, attended one semi-regularly uh, for a brief period of time in college because uh, mm-hmm. I was dating a girl, and that's where she went to church and where her mm-hmm. family went to I'll church. I'll get you. 
It did for a brief yeah. time. Yep. And uh, yeah, it was a similar experience, right? Like I had gone to church my whole life and I didn't know what I was supposed to be doing in this space, which was weird. Yeah. Sure. Uh, let's see. I've been to the Austin Stone. Oh, okay. A, you know, hip little non-denom church. It's in Austin, so it's got to be hip. Yep. Uh, and then <laughs> I also in Houston have gone to First Baptist. Oh, Not okay. Second Baptist, but First Baptist. Oh, yeah. There are both. Yes. Uh, Second Baptist is the far larger one. Oh, so. it's one short of the big time, though. Second. So, that second. Yeah. yeah. I appreciate their honesty and just acknowledging. I know. We're like, well, we're Listen, second. We were second. We get it. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> second best, but. Second Not th- second best. Second to be founded. Mm. That's second. second Baptist is uh, Pastor Ed Young, who's got all the. Oh, billboards. yeah, yeah. That's Second okay. Baptist. Yeah, so. I have seen his billboards. Yes. He's got a lot of billboards. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> got a lot going on with them billboards. Let's <laughs> just leave it at that. <laughs> I will say, like, it. I often, in my head, unfairly equate non-denominational churches with mega church. Like I, I hear non-denom, mm, and yeah. I just assume, oh, you're non-denom, you must be like worshiping, you know, huge. And there are lots of non-denominational churches that are small, correct? Right. And I have to like check yes. myself and remind myself, like, oh, they might have fifty people to a hundred people in worship, yeah. or they might be gigantic. What probably is fair is equating non-denominational churches in your head with Baptist. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> because it's essentially the same. They yeah, just, that, they yeah. dance the, theologically, it's very similar. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, maybe Baptist without the baggage and also without oversight. Yeah. Which may or may not be a bad thing, <laughs> depending on how you feel about the Baptist church. Could oversight. go either way. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. All right. So, mega church. We've all had some experience going to a mega church. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. It's definitely. It's interesting, you know, and uh, good or bad, it's definitely different. Yes. Yeah. Um, and you know, the article kind of even mentions here, like, hey the sheer size becomes like kind of a self-generating attraction, right? Like yeah. just by being that big, it's already like, what's going on over there? Yeah. A little yeah. bit of attention, a little bit of excitement. Uh, they have sprawling campuses, um, you know, more prominence than sometimes the other churches in the area. Um, they're going to receive far more media attention yeah. than a smaller church. And typically pastors of mega churches are going to be far more well-known across America. Like, that's just yeah. the reality of the yeah. situation. Like they're just going to have not like not only a bigger pulpit from their own congregations, but a bigger pulpit in America. Yeah. Um, you know, if you think of like who are the podcast pastors, almost all of them are megachurch pastors. Yeah. You know, like that's, that's <laughs> and us. Holding down the fort. I know. Even here uh, in the Woodlands, right? Woodlands Church uh, is one of the local mega churches. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know their worship attendance, but I would assume that we could classify them as mega church. And they advertised on Astros games throughout the regular season. Like they had a thing behind the batter, uh, you know, every. what you know when <laughs> this is like you know like I don't know what baseball is about right. on the, the, the backstop the <laughs> that's the word I'm looking for the backstop behind the batter yeah. and behind the empire they had a the advertisement there that would rotate through during baseball games like that's something that they can do that and they're advertising at a baseball game that's 40 minutes away from here and broadcast on national television yeah it's not something that Lord of Life would ever consider feasible let alone necessary like right. why, why would we do that yeah, yeah. especially because like why would people you know our idea would be like who would drive, you know, yeah. 45, 50 minutes right. to yeah. come here? Like, that yeah. just doesn't make sense. You're passing up plenty of churches of our size, our scope, you know. And our denomination. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. right. That are here. actually in your community. Yeah. Is, yeah. 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 I don't, sometimes I feel weird about, like, poaching from other communities a little bit, sure. you know? Sure. All right. So, the new reality for megachurches. So, megachurches kind of grew. 80s and 90s were Big. kind of the yep. the mm. movement of the, the megachurch. The 80s and 90s were responsible for a lot of movements. <laughs> a, lot, a lot going on in the yeah. 80s and 90s. Yeah. <laughs> we loved the 80s, all right? We, 
It's great, great time for movies. Right? I wasn't around great time 80s, to be a kid. So. Yeah. Well, there you go. All right. So humble brag. <laughs> um, probably about twenty ten is kind of that peak. peak. You know, sure. like that's yeah. where we've really hit okay. it. Everything is good, and over the last 10, 13 years, we've seen a decline yeah. in the mega church. Okay. So probably across the United States, about one thousand six hundred mega churches across the United States. Okay, and then. Now we're probably, we've dropped about 400, 500-ish from there. That's it? Just 400, 500 megachurches? Uh, we've dropped that many, so oh, okay. now we're 11 to 12. Okay. All yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. I got you. Sorry. Yeah. Hmm. But that's still substantial. Uh, absolutely. That's yeah. a yeah. substantial drop of t- over 25% yeah. we're coming down from. Um, and, you know, new worship spaces are being built, even in kind of megachurches are smaller, about 20% smaller. Um, and the pandemic caused many of those mega churches to yeah. no longer be considered a mega church. Sure. Even if they're still yeah. active, still in get, you know, still doing their thing, they just don't have that 20,000 members, 2000, uh, two, 2000 uh, weekly. Yeah. Does this, do you know if that includes the satellite campuses for mega churches? Yeah, that's a good question. What do we think is, yeah. is satellite campus, is that mega church or is that not? Uh, I think it depends on the place, but I think typically if it's a satellite campus where a single pastor is preaching at all of them, then it's considered one, uh, or it's considered like attendance for one spot. Correct. Okay. That's my, I, I that's so. my yeah. understanding yeah. of how the statistics yeah. work on it. Because I know of several <clears throat> mega churches with satellite campuses that ended up closing a lot of their satellite campuses sure. over the past 10 years. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Um, so first, maybe like think of why did these things grow? Why was the mega church big for the 80s, 90s, 2000s? Why was this a hit? Yeah. I mean, from my perspective, being a, a youth in the 80s or in the 90s and early 2000s, yeah. right? The appeal was that they had everything that was new and flashy and exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? They had uh, lights. They had music that was appealing. They had all the stuff that kids wanted. And they did this intentionally, right? You sure. appeal to high schoolers and then the parents follow. And so mm-hmm. they had all the programming for whatever after school or after the football game or whatever else was happening, right? That was the place to go and do the thing. And it was safe and it was uh, supervised. It was also probably you know some of the purity culture stuff that we've talked about sure. before and everything <laughs> yeah. like that. But it was you know you weren't it wasn't mm. drugs, it wasn't alcohol. Yeah. So parents were willing to let kids go and be a part of this stuff. Um, I think they, you know, they bit a particular piece of the pie and found a found a niche that sure people were hungry for. Yeah, and I think it is tied into both um, like the war on drugs and the satanic panic that's going oh, on sure. at the same time. Yeah, yeah. It's like this: kids are going to rock concerts and they're doing cocaine, and you know what do we? How do we get them to not? Yeah, sure. Go um, to rock worship services. Go to, go to, go to, go to yeah. have a powdered donut. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> sure, sure. It's <laughs> <So> fun. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think this. You come home from worship. What's that powder on your shirt? Right, it's yeah. powdered donut, mom. I swear. <laughs> I think with the the influx of cable television, sure. and now we're seeing churches moving to t- TV church is yeah. pro- becoming a thing mm-hmm. in the eighties. Like I think we're seeing like a group of pastors, a group of people who are looking to their pastor beyond pastoral care, but are they charismatic? Are they Mm -hmm. exciting? Are they giving me a message that's like fun, engaging and interesting to listen to that maybe the, that question of your pastor wasn't maybe as there before the 1980s Mm -hmm. that what you mattered more was, are they caring? Are they loving? Are yeah. they kind? Are they going to be there for my family when we're going through kind of an emotional crisis? Um, but now it's, can they be upfront? 
preach for 40 minutes and keep an audience engaged in that process. And that's the draw, right? Is this person, is this singular figure able to do that? And if they are, people are coming. I mean, this is awesome. Baby boomers are coming of age. And one of kind of the characteristics of baby boom culture, uh, but especially in terms of church is what is valuable in church. And that is in a sense, excellence in a, you know, like we want quality worship. This was, you know, like, it has to look good. It has to feel good. Like it mm. needs to be beyond like, uh, you know, Grandma Mo's, Grandma Jane is playing the organ every Sunday. Yeah. Like we need competent musicians. Yeah. You know, I think a piece of that is kind of the corporatization of worship. For too, sure. Right? That yeah. we discover like, hey, the church needs money. And yeah. there are a lot of uh, people who operated businesses successfully and start yeah. saying we can operate the church more like a business. For and sure. so, right, yeah. how do you how do you operate a business effectively? You get in competent leadership. And yeah. so, listen, I'm all for competent music leadership, right? I would for much sure. rather go to a worship service that's led by someone who knows what they're doing than Grandma Jane, who, <laughs> you know, twiddles out the organ. every. Like, that's yeah. much more engaging for me. And it's much more worshipful for me. Um, but I think we also saw that pendulum swing perhaps too far. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think to me, it's kind of interesting that it, pastoral leadership, it seems like it's sort of switched focus from like serving a community um, to being sure. like a charismatic delegator, right? Yeah. Like it's this one person that's a figurehead and that's kind of their whole spiel. Yeah. And they delegate everything else, like all the actual interaction with community. Besides yeah. that, 45 minutes on Sunday morning yeah. is sure. somebody else. Well, or well, many somebody. Well, typically I know like yeah. sometimes the criticism of pastors like, what is your job? All you have to do is preach for an hour on Sunday morning. Right. That's it. Yeah. But like for the megachurch pastor. <laughs> I don't even have to preach for an hour. Well, yeah. the, it's 15 what, minutes, what, yeah. For the megachurch pastor, <laughs> That might just be your job. Like yeah. that, yeah. it's like yeah. I need to spend four days researching, crafting, practicing this forty-minute, you know, production, mm-hmm. and that's what I'm investing in. And I, we have other staff that are doing the caregiving yep. of the congregation, and my job is to just do that. Yeah, uh, and that's very real. I mean, though, you have multiple pastors, multiple, you know, things like that going on. And I think the megachurch also tapped into an understanding of like. The, the difference between, like, corporate worship and, like, an entertaining play. Yeah. In the Venn diagram, there's, a, there's an overlap. Absolutely. And they're, yeah. like, tapping into, like, we need to be well, m- way more engaging, you know, uh, stylistically, mm-hmm. how things are organized, what the stage looks like. I think sure. they're taking notes from kind of, like, how a play should you know, look like from lighting and all these things. Let's bring that into church. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it is like, I'm sure for the eighties and nineties, it's like, this is very different than cathedral worship. Yeah. And so it's offering this very different experience. And so in a baby boomer culture, that's like what matters most competency and excellence. Yeah. You know, like yeah. that's, they're going to be drawn to that. I mean, yeah. you even see that. I don't know if you guys would remember the, uh, the crystal cathedral when that used to yeah. be on TV back in the day. Um, so, I mean, this was a huge, uh, cathedral out in Arizona, I think California maybe. Um, but anyway, it was a huge, uh, cathedral that had like a whole ceiling was glass, right? So it was really beautiful, but they broadcast all their services, but it was still like organ, big choir, you know, everybody was sure. in robes, like, you know, mm-hmm. very traditional. Se- it, I would watch that service when, you know, we'd come home from church and it would like be on. So you'd flip past it before football was on or whatever. Yeah. Right. And you'd see it and you'd be like, yeah, this feels like. The church service that I just went to. Yeah. Right? It wasn't Lutheran, but it felt like, yeah, it's loosely a little Similar churchable. Enough. I yeah. get it. Yeah. 
it, we steered completely away from that in this mm-hmm. next view where we're like exactly what you're describing patrick we, we threw all that out of the window and said let's put us in a black box so that we can control every atmosphere or every uh, aspect of this atmosphere right we can yeah. control the light the sound everything is now a production um that we can control and use it to our benefit to try sure. to you know create a particular response within the audience yeah well even uh, that applies to the sermon style as well Absolutely. there's a there's a mega church in Katy. I don't know the name of it, but there's some billboards right now for their fall sermon series. That's how to have a marriage that sizzles, and it's this old guy. Okay. With the, yeah, I'm like, oh no offense. On the, on the yeah, billboard, it's an old it's guy. A, yeah, it's the pastor who's oh, okay. you know, sure, aged, and like I, I don't know that that's where I'm going for for sure. my uh, sizzling marriage. advice. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but like, when did a church sermon become yeah. like, here's a seven step how here's to, a here's a how to. Yeah. sizzle. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. but like, that's a very, to me, very mega church thing, you know, yeah. like a, sure. well, it's, it's all part of that attraction model, mm-hmm. right? That yep. gives you a reason to come to mm-hmm. church. And you, this is a story that's probably apocryphal, but I like to tell it uh, that, you know, Martin Luther uh, famously had preached for a long time and somebody came to him after worship and said, you know, Pastor Luther, why do you every week continue to preach the same gospel to us? And he's like, well, when you start living like you believe the gospel, then I'll preach something else. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, th- I think a lot of ways we've tried to say, like, well, let's preach other things to them. Uh, so that they can, you know, start to experience the gospel rather than still in kind of Lutheran tradition. If you come nine times out of 10, the, you know, the story that you're going to hear is going to focus on getting us back to a point of understanding the cross and the resurrection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And so I think uh, another thing, at least you mentioned about your experience with mega church at New Spring, that I think was a draw for a lot of this baby boomer population in the 80s and 90s, which was anonymity. I want to go to church and I don't want to be known. Like I want to worship and go home. I don't want to be asked to be on a committee. I don't (laughs) want to be asked to like do stuff for the church. I just want to show up, worship, give my tithe and leave. Yeah. And And giving my tithe is optional. Yeah. And, and and obviously, I mean, mega church, obviously a lot, quite a lot of money. Yeah, I think they got it. Yeah. But, but I think the idea was like, I'm, this was, you know, you know, of, of, of kids of baby boomers might recognize, like, parents worked a ton yeah. in the 80s and 90s. Like, they were overtiming it up as a, you know, as a Gen Xer, I'm the forgotten generation here. <laughs> you know, I know my friends, like, our parents worked 70 hours a week. No problem. Mm, wow. You know, like, and that was not a big deal um, because that was kind of the culture of the time. So, like, a church that's demanding more. I don't want more. I want to give less to the church of my time and my effort. And so anonymity mattered, right? Like I didn't want to really be known. I just wanted to go connect with God and get out. Yeah. And so, and I think that is somewhat, you know, it's not a bug. It's a feature of a lot of megachurches out there. Now you might say like, I don't like that, but there's a reason people are keep coming back because they don't want, you know, have that same level of people know me. Yeah. Or, you know, I do my Bible study, you know, group. There's 12 of us, and that's my my, my group. That's Those are my are. people. Those yeah. are my people. And then the other 2,000 members of this church, not my people. Yep. I just know my, my, my crowd, and I go to worship, and we shake people's hands, and I leave. All right. Um, so why are they, why do we think? Why have we got a dip? Why are they coming down? Hmm. For my sake, I think it's because a new generation is seeing through that facade, right? Yeah. Uh, we're seeing a generation of uh, young people growing up having seen kind of a lover level of uh, shallowness, uh, even uh, you know, um, uh, frustration with church leadership that hasn't been held sure. accountable to a mm-hmm. variety of things. People who are proclaiming one thing but are 
uh, living lives that appear hypocritical. And again, right, this is not exclusive to the megachurch, but because of all the other reasons that things were heightened in the megachurch, it's heightened in the megachurch, right? Mm -hmm. The higher you rise, the farther you have to fall. And so when people have witnessed that, um, I think they're saying this is not what it was cracked up to be. We're seeing through a lot of cracks in the in the leadership and in the structure and people are looking for something else or are not looking for it at all. Yeah. I mean, I think probably off the top of my head, I can think of four mega church pastors that I know the names of that have had like scandals yeah. Yeah. Um, in the past handful of years. Um, so sure. there's that aspect. I think for me, I'm like immediately uh, suspicious whenever I hear mega church because there is n- nothing or very little there that I recognize as church. Yeah. Um, and so I get into this thing of, okay, so this is the, what the tax breaks are for, like the light show sure. and it's, it's, that's, it, that seems like kind of a perversion of the point of those tax breaks, you know, like, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I think, um, there's also like, I think a very real problem that mega churches are having. Most of these churches are founded by or driven by one charismatic preacher Mm -hmm. personality cult yeah and that you know maybe in in, you know 92 that person was 30 years old real exciting to listen to now it's uh 33 35 years later and (laughs) how to have a marriage that sizzles (laughs) and yeah and now all of a sudden that person is retiring and most mega churches that we've seen you know data wise have not made that transition from one charismatic leader to the next generation yeah. well. Yeah. Like, it's very hard to do that. Um, so if, if the draw of the church is to listen to this one person, and then what happens when that person leaves? You know? Yeah. And so either A, they're cloaked in a scandal because, you know, that's sometimes what happens, yeah, especially sure. if... You, the, the, the traits that drive you to, dr- to build a church to 2,000 plus worshipers might also be the traits that are self-destructive uh-huh. and, yeah. you know, could drive you to, to tear down a 2,000 person church, <laughs> sure. you know, all kind of gathered into one. Yeah. And then also like that person's got to retire eventually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They've got to do that. Uh, and if the church is, you know, 80s and 90s, now they're in that more retirement age, they're yeah. getting older. And so it's just, nobody knows how to make that transition well. For sure. All right. So what do we do? For the neighborhood church, that's you know what, what we, do we do for the neighborhood ourselves. church. You know we're a neighborhood church, right? Mm-hmm. We're in a neighborhood. Yeah, I was just I was trying to clarify your question. Yeah. Right? So 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 it, we're it, not worried about trying to save the mega church. No no no. Right. As the mega church is in decline, yeah. How can the what can the neighborhood church fill the gap? Right? Are these people just not going to church anymore, or are they coming to our to churches like us? I think a lot of them are just not coming to church anymore. I think that mm-hmm. right. I, yeah. I, I yeah. mean. What I th- what I think the neighborhood church can do is continue to be a authentic place of community, right? And eventually, these people might come back looking for something, but yeah. searching for these people or saying, like, "Oh, a mega church closed down next to us. We need to go find those people." Like, there's probably going to be heartbreak. There's probably going to be trauma that we talked about last yeah. week. E- even if it closed under benign circumstances, right? There's an emotional uh, attachment to that place that you had come to worship in and things like that. So, my hunch is that people that are just leaving a church for one reason or another are not anxiously looking for another one. Sure. Mm-hmm. And if they are, they're probably probably looking for another place to fill something that is no longer being filled at that spot. And so it, maybe it's bigger, maybe it's newer, whatever. Sure. Um, but if local churches can continue to focus on being authentic places of worship yeah. where whatever that means for you, right, where you come into the space and you are all able to be authentically yourselves, I think that's more valuable. And in the long run, we'll reap better fruit 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also I think, you know, the reality is like most of the small churches, small neighborhood churches really aren't very good at evangelism or they wouldn't be small neighborhood churches. Sure. Like in reality, like that's just the kind of most of these most small neighborhood churches are not church plants. They're not starting out. Mm-hmm. Most Anymore. of them have been yeah. in existence for <laughs> decades, if not centuries, you know. Yeah. So like that that is kind of what's going on. And so like they might just not be like very good at how do we get new people in these doors, you know? Because if they were really good at that, they wouldn't be a small neighborhood church. And so I think that makes that makes that that challenge difficult. Right? Like there is kind of this mark, you know, market is you know corporate corporate sure. language here, but like there are people out there with a baseline of Christianity who are not going to church, mm-hmm. and small neighborhood churches maybe could do a better job of like how do we get those people in our doors? Sure, because um, it's hard to get somebody who's like no Christianity in the door, mm-hmm. but you know, baseline of Christianity is is at least deep. We speak the same language, right? Yeah. You know what church is. It's not going to be weird for you to come into a church service and feel like, should I be here? Like, yeah. Right. And so I think that that makes it a challenge for kind of the more neighborhood churches. Usually they don't have the staffing or the, or maybe even the attitude of wanting sure. to get bigger or, or wanting to reach that, that, that market. Is it, would we say that that's really a worthy goal to just swell our numbers though? Or is it more a concern of like slow decline? Like if you're not bringing in lots of new people, are you worried about just like a slow decline to the point that you're no longer able to function as sure. a church? Or are are we really proactively worried about how full can we pack this place? You yeah, know? I, I think neither of those are actually the right attitude to take towards it, right? Like mm-hmm. if we're only operating out of a fear of a slow decline or mm-hmm. if we're operating out of a, we got to pack this place, right? Neither yeah. of those are, are faithful to what our call is, right? We do have... Uh, a scriptural call to go and make disciples, right? That Jesus makes that very clear to the apostles. <clears throat> and it's clear that that's what the early church is focused on, is bringing people into the body of Christ and allowing them to experience this transformational life that Christ offers. So if we're focused on that mission, right, the other things will take care of themselves. Mm-hmm. If, you know, if we're focused on the mission of God, it won't matter if we're packing the church and it won't matter if we're slowly declining, we will be faithful, right? Because there are communities um, that existed in Paul's time that don't exist today. That doesn't make them less faithful, right? There's mm-hmm. no there's no longer the church of... Well, there's I'm sure there's a church in Ephesus, right? But there's not the church of Ephesus that Paul wrote to, right? That's right. not yeah. there anymore. That doesn't make the, those Ephesians any less faithful in their time. So there might be a point where you as a church, as a congregation, have faithfully lived out your mission, have been authentically uh, the people that God called you to be on that spot. And in 20, 30, 50, 75, 100 years you have to close your doors because mm-hmm. it's just not feasible to, that might be a thing that does not make the ministry less faithful. Right. Right. And you know, what makes it faithful is how are we living out the mission and the call that God has placed in you? Now I do think there are ways in which you can just stay in existence and not be faithful. Right. Sure. That's, a, that's yeah. another piece too, right? It, yeah. it takes effort and work and intentionality to remain faithful to that process. Yeah. I have been a, a part of a church that was on the decline Yeah, and you know, a proposition from some of the older membership was, some of our younger families had more babies, we would be okay. Yeah. <laughs> and so if you like, can't convert them, breed them. And that was like, okay. I mean, that's interesting. Like, that's like saying, like, all that matters is the people in this room yep. and the people that we're related to in this room, right? Yep. Like, we can, if, if this community can just exist by having more babies, I'm like, well, I don't think that's what Jesus is about, you know, and I don't think that's what the church is about. Sure. But um, I also don't think 
it's going to work. It's really, <laughs> it's really expensive yeah. on babies these days. Yeah, yeah. Like, you run those numbers. <laughs> like, daycare is very pricey. Yeah. I'll just yeah. say that. You know, like it's a lot of money to have a baby. Um, so, I, you know, and I think neighborhood churches, since we don't have the same resources or the same corporate mindset, you know, getting our name out to the community or congregation is much more, it's, it's different and much more challenging, right? Mm-hmm. We don't have billboards. But we can't necessarily say, like, I know how we reach the congregation. We change the letters on our sign to a catchy Christian slogan every week. I mean, that's also not going to work. <laughs> if that's And if that's what we've got, if yeah. neighborhood churches have got, yeah. like, I know how to reach the neighborhood, change the letters on our sign every yeah. week, like, yeah. then I think you're going to... You're going to end that slow, steady decline yeah. mm-hmm. that what you're experiencing because that's not real evangelism. That's not real engagement with the community. And we don't have the benefit of the mega church where like just by existing, you're already an attraction. You were already a draw just by having a big building. It's just not going to work that way. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, smaller neighborhood churches, you know, have to be a little more serious about what does evangelism look like? Have those harder conversations and maybe say in reality like we're not entirely sure and we've got to try new things yep so i think that that makes it a bigger challenge how to live into the ministry of jesus yeah absolutely. kind of a not quite a post-christian yeah you know america but closer i don't think it is the worst thing for christianity in the united states for megachurches to be on the decline I'm Me either. Very I'll pro. Yeah. Mega like, churches make on the decline. There, there are a lot. There are a lot of big churches that have done great things. Yeah. Um, I still, yeah, I stand by what I said. I don't think it's the worst thing for Christianity to take a, a turn and say, "How can we experience authentic community um, with people rather than seeking anonymity yeah. and seeking to offer people what they want?" Sure. And in reality, in the Bible, I mean, Jesus preaches to five thousand, yep. and people walk away fed. Yeah. But a bunch. <laughs> but then other times in Jesus' life, Jesus preaches to 12. Yeah. And mm-hmm. his message is pretty consistent across the board. You yeah. Know, like yeah. he's not phased by growth or a decline in numbers. What matters is the bringing of the kingdom of God. Yeah. And so, you know, regardless of the size of the church you attend, hopefully they're engaged with bringing of the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unless you have 666 people in worship every week and then get out. Right. <laughs> get out of that. that be is, the one, yeah, right. Check the, the name of the That's denomination right. on the church That's tour. Right. Is this the Church of Satan? <laughs> yes or no? <laughs> all right. They got me again. Right. Shoot. <laughs> Tricked me. <laughs> okay. We all wrapped up then? I think so. Well, folks, if you liked this episode, you are welcome to send us any foods that you would like us to taste or test or any twist. Foods? Any I'm an adventurous eater, but yeah, why not? Know, let's, I'll try let's it. I mean, listen, if somebody wants not to send us something, we'll give it a shot. Or Brussels sprouts. <laughs> okay. Patrick's got his rules. Anyway, <laughs> thank you again to Mama Nagel for the Oreo donation. Yeah. Uh, we would love to continue further food experiments in future episodes. You can send those to us, or you can email us first and let us know at beyondsundaypodcast at gmail.com. And uh, you can find all of our episodes at www.beyondsundaypodcast.com. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back next week with more Beyond Sunday. <laughs>